0: I just want to address something up front. Um I ate too much at Thanksgiving and a button on my shirt popped while we were singing worship. So okay, I don't really know if that's the case, but I promise you I didn't just Good thing I had an undershirt on, is all I can say. So um anyway, hi. <laughs> uh, hey, welcome everybody online. Thanks for tuning in as well. Glad to have you here. Um, It is officially the Christmas season, and um, if you think Christmas starts before Thanksgiving, you are wrong, and I will fight you on it, Johnny and Jeff. So, anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, Before we get into the message today, I just want to take just a few minutes, I promise you this will be short, and talk about everybody's favorite subject, money! And I'm surprised you didn't applaud at that. (laughs) Listen, this will, be, this will be brief, okay? And if you are a guest with us today, or maybe this is your first time ever tuning into a message, um, just skip forward three minutes and then catch up with the message there. But here's the thing. I really just want to take an opportunity and just say thank you for those of you that give and support what God is doing here. I mean, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving. Thank you for caring about the mission and what God is doing in and through this church. Um, back in March when COVID kind of first hit our country and we decided to go fully digital as a church, I remember one of the things that I was most afraid of was wondering whether or not the mission was going to continue to be funded because historically in the past, it's always been that if people don't come to church, they don't give. And it's just reality, unfortunately. But throughout our time meeting online, I believe that God did a miracle through those of you that give and support this work. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God did a supernatural miracle because not only did we maintain um, giving and our income was the same, but actually you guys even went over and above. You were more generous. Um, We actually averaged higher. And that means that we are on track this year to, to reach our yearly budget in general fund giving. Even with as crazy as 2020 has been, with all the ups and downs, and can we meet, can't we meet, masks, fear, all of that stuff, you guys are such a generous bunch. You, it is clear that your heart is for the mission, and I just want to say thank you for that. I want you to know that, that I appreciate it, that everybody who is impacted by what God does here, if they could, they would say thank you. And so I just want to say thank you on behalf of them. And if you had an especially good um, 2020, maybe you're a small business owner or something like that, I would even encourage you, if you, if you can, to give a gift over and above towards the end of the year, our December giving only always helps propel us to reach our budget and that would give us more just to continue to do ministry, Um, things like some upgrades in the kids' wing and paying off our debt as a church, all that sort of stuff. So um, if you feel inclined to give over and above your regular giving, That would be awesome. If you are a regular attender but not a regular giver, I would encourage you to start. You can set up an online recurring gift. But um, anyway, that's enough about money stuff. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we'll go from there. So today we are starting a brand new series called Good News. And uh, the reason we decided to call it Good News is because for about the past nine months, we've only heard bad news. And so from now until Christmas, we are just going to be talking about Good news. Positive series, good. We're moving forward. Good news for you and I. Now, if you're like me, you love Amazon. I've talked about this before. I think Amazon is just one of the greatest things since sliced bread. And I don't know why we use sliced bread as like, man, that's the pinnacle of achievement. But I think Amazon is fantastic. I. I love that I can buy anything I want, any I want, any time of day, holiday, doesn't matter, and it gets shipped right to me. If I need a part for my four-wheeler, I go on Amazon. If I need batteries, I go on Amazon. If I need uh, um, a filter for my refrigerator, it's on Amazon. In fact, I have that one set up on a schedule where they just ship it to me without even thinking every four months. It is absolutely fantastic. I, with the exception of groceries, 98% of what I buy comes off Amazon. I love that it shows up on my doorstep in two days instead of seven to 10 business days anywhere else. Like I just pay a small fee, and Amazon is just fantastic. I don't know what I'd do in my life if I didn't have Amazon. Now, if you're a small business owner or you have a retail shop, you might feel a little bit different. But I think for the majority of us, Amazon is incredible. And because we love when things come to us, right, I think, I think the success of Amazon has proven how much we love that. In 2019, Amazon did almost $280 billion in revenue with about 11 billion of that in just straight profit is absolutely mind blowing. Our mind can't even comprehend that many zeros. They, um, they account for about 50% of all online sales across the globe, not just in the US but around the world. And they ship almost 7 million packages per day. Per day. If you are looking for a stable career to get into, UPS, FedEx, the post office, that is where it's at because we are buying more and more and more. And here's here's what that reveals. We love when things come to us. Right? Right? We love when products come to us. It's why companies like DoorDash and Grubhub, when restaurants come to us, Instacart, when groceries come to us, this makes life easier. This makes life better, more efficient. We don't need to get in our car. We don't need to drive to different stores. We don't need to put pants on. When stuff comes to us, it's just better all the way around. Now think of it even, even beyond Amazon, okay? Beyond getting food delivered to you or whatever it might be. What if you could have, like, a celebrity come to you? Wouldn't that be cool? Like, what if you could meet somebody famous, and it wasn't you had to go to them, but they would come to us? Like, that would be incredible. I know for me, if you asked me today, she who's one person? It would be Chris Stapleton, okay? Chris Stapleton is my jam. He's my favorite musical artist. Um, if you've been here for a while, I know you heard some older guy always talk about Bob Dylan all the time. Ugh terrible. Listen, compared to Chris Stapleton's voice, Bob Dylan sounds like a dying cat with a hernia trying to climb a mountain. Like, it's just horrible. (laughs) Listen, I want, I don't know if I can say this as a dude, this might be weird, but like, I want Chris Stapleton to serenade me to sleep, okay? His voice is so awesome, and like, I've gone to see him in concerts, right? Like, I have his albums, it's all cool, but like, the thought of him coming to me would be incredible, you know? Like, I just, if he called me up on the phone, vacation, like, hey, Shaheen, I'm, uh, you know, I'm driving through, you care if we hang out this afternoon? A- absolutely, man. I, if he said Sunday morning, I might let Kevin speak. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to hang out with Chris. I want to chat. I want to write some songs. I want to play some songs. Like, it would just be so cool. And if there was a way for me to meet him, man, I would go through whatever security checks I needed to. I would do background. I I would pay money. I would wait in line. I would do whatever it took to hang out with him. But think about how, like, impossible it would be for him to just, he probably doesn't even know I exist, to talk to me. He probably doesn't know. There's always that glimmer of hope that maybe he he saw and knows me. But who would it be for you? Not Bob Dylan. Who would it be for you? Another celebrity? A musical artist with talent? You didn't laugh at that one. (laughs) The president? Wouldn't it be cool if they would come to us? Wouldn't that be nuts? But here's the thing. As cool as Amazon is, as much as Chris Stapleton is awesome, that does not, that pales in comparison to the good news that we celebrate at Christmas. Some of the most famous Christmas verses are found in the Gospel of Luke in chapter two, and I just want to read them to you. It says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Since the beginning, the birth of Jesus has always been referred to as good news. Right? It's what all the gospel writers talk about. When they talk about the birth of Jesus, they refer to it as the good news. The early disciples and apostles in the book of Acts as the church was getting started, as they were spreading the message of Jesus around the Mediterranean, they would often talk of it as good news. It's what the apostle Paul wrote in many of his letters that this, this Jesus coming to earth is good news. But why? Have you ever really stopped to wonder, why is that such good news? I mean, I mean, when a baby is born, generally that's, we, we, that is good news. That, that's uplifting, it's inspiring, it's great. But why would a Jewish baby born into obscurity who lived most of his life as an unknown carpenter, why would that be good news to you and I? Why do we talk about it 2,000 years later? Why do we celebrate it year after year after year? Why is the birth of Jesus such good news? And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. We're going to talk about them throughout this series, but one of them is this, because it proves these two words right here, that God comes to you. That God, through Jesus Christ, was demonstrating that he was coming to us. These words right here, coming to us. And I don't know if we've just gotten so familiar with the story. I don't know if maybe we've grown up in church, but I think we have lost sight of how good this news is that he, that God, actually comes to us. But to understand why that's such good news, we have to start back at the beginning. Way back at the beginning at creation. When God created the world and the animals and the plants and the galaxies and all that sort of stuff, he created humankind special. He created mankind in his own image. The only created thing that he actually breathed life into. You and I, human beings, are the only thing out of all creation that has a spirit that is capable of connecting with God, who is also spirit. And more than anything else, as God was creating man and woman in the human race, the thing that he wanted the most was a relationship. God wanted a relationship with every single human being. That is why he made us special. That is why he made us unique. That is why it says that we are created in his own image because God's heart was to have a relationship, a close connection to be able to walk with, to talk with, to be with us. Human beings, it doesn't matter where we come from, young, old, nothing like that, God wants a relationship with us. Unfortunately, sin got in the way. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it broke everything when they did. When they ate that fruit, when they disobeyed God's one command, it separated them. It created this, this chasm. It severed the ability for God to have a relationship with human beings. God lost in that moment what was most valuable to him. And as a result of Adam's sin so long ago, you and I are born with something that we call a sinful nature. Now that's not original sin. We are not born already sinful. But a sin nature means that we have a a nature, a tendency, this undeniable urge inside to sin, to do wrong. And every single one of us have, have fallen prey to that. It's unavoidable. You and I have sinned, we will sin, and when we do, it separates us from God. No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how few, how many, the moment that you and I sin, we experience a spiritual death, a spiritual separation from God where we are no longer able to talk to him, where we are no longer able to experience his presence, We are no longer able to have a relationship with him. We are no longer able to go to heaven when we die. Sin breaks that connection. It started way back with Adam in the garden. But at the moment that happened, after God discovered what had happened, God issued his first promise of a Savior. It's found in Genesis chapter 3 and it says this. This is God talking to Satan. says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now I'll admit on the surface, what is he talking about? That doesn't seem like a whole lot. But this right here is the very first prophecy in the entire Bible about a Messiah, a Savior coming to us. The fact that God would come to us is absolutely incredible. It is such good news. I like to think of it like this. I try and picture all religions are basically like a maze, okay? And human beings, you and I, we're trying to make our way through the maze. We're trying to live life and and reach the other end. Whatever the other end is, some call it heaven, some religions call it nirvana, some religions talk about reincarnation, but there's always Something better, right? Something beyond that when we get through with this life, oh, good, we can reach that. Christianity is no different. We believe in a heaven and eternal life and glory, no more pain, no more tears. But all other world religions, all other systems, basically teach that you and I, we have to get through that maze, right? We have to figure out the right turns. And there are some ancient books and some ancient sayings that, that we think will help give us shortcuts or tell us when to take a right turn or when to take a left turn. We, all religion teaches us that our good has to outweigh our bad, but it's basically this. We have to try and figure our way out through the maze. The maze is there and it takes our whole life and hopefully if we've taken enough right turns, we will reach the end and we will, we will achieve whatever the goal is of that religion. All other religions teach that God is basically sitting passive on the other side. We have to enter the maze. We have to figure it out. We have to work our way through it. But God is just waiting on the other side. God is sitting there hoping that his people figure it out, hoping that they make it through somehow, but he is passive. He is not doing anything to help anybody. That is every other world religion. But this is what makes Christianity different. That God came to us. Christianity is different because God entered the maze. He entered humanity and the hurt and the brokenness. And for any other system, it would be absurd to think that God or a God or whatever they believe in would enter into humanity for any reason, but let alone to fix a problem that we caused, to fix the sin of mankind. But that is exactly what God did through Jesus Christ. He entered the maze. He entered this world, our lives. He came to us. God's incredible love compelled him to come to us. God's love for every single one of us, everybody watching online, male, female, young, old, gay, straight, Democrat, Republican, black, it doesn't matter, no matter what, God's incredible love for you and for me meant that he had to come to us, He was not content to just sit there on the other side and wait and hope that someday people would find their way to him even though it would be impossible because sin broke that relationship. And all throughout the Old Testament, if you want like a, a 30,000 foot view of the Old Testament, it is basically this, that God was working to bring about a Savior. Through the people of Israel, through the nation of Israel, God was working to bring a Savior to us. We don't have time to go over every Old Testament prophecy, but I just want to read a couple of them. The first one is found in Zechariah. It's probably the first time we've ever read from Zechariah in a weekend service, but it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you! He wasn't sitting there saying, hey, guess what, guys? We, we found a way through the maze! Rejoice! Hey, we, we found a secret code to help us get there. No, that wasn't it at all. Your king, a savior, is coming to you. Rejoice, that's good news. It's coming to us. The prophet Isaiah talks a lot about the coming Messiah and there's so many prophecies, but I just want to read one of the more clear and direct ones. He says this, For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. For some of you, that's really good news. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, a child to us, a son to us. Do you get the picture? We don't have to work our way to God. We don't have to behave our way to God. We don't have to sacrifice our way to God. God was coming to us. And I don't know, maybe some of you here today or some of you watching online are skeptical about all this. You you wonder if this Christian thing can really be true. But it's verses like that that I think should compel us with every fiber of our being, should compel us to hope that it's true, even if we're unsure if it's true. Right? Anytime you and I hear good news, We hope it's true, even if we haven't fact-checked it yet. Even if we haven't looked at the source, we hope it's true. Like, for example, I told you this. If I told you that you could eat Snickers bars and Taco Bell every day of your life and you would be healthier, oh my gosh, like, please, God, let it be so. That would be amazing. If you and I could eat like garbage and actually be healthier, even if you were unsure if it was true or not, we would hope Please 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 be true. That sounds awesome. I just want a crunch wrap supreme so bad. We want it is our it is our tendency as human beings to want good news to be true. This is good news. Even if you're unsure about it, we should hope that it's true. It's good news. That's why the angel said to the shepherd, the shepherds on the night Jesus was born, "I bring you good news that will cause great joy." For all people, the Savior is born. God has come to you, to us. The Apostle John was Jesus' best friend while he was here on this earth and he writes his gospel account, his story of, of what Jesus did. And at the beginning of his, his letter, he says this, so the word became human and made his home among us, talking about Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John says, God came to us. We didn't have to go to God. We didn't have to work our way to God. He came and made his home among us. And as John is writing down his gospel account for all of history to read someday, he says, I want you to know we've seen it. We've seen it. We know this is true. We walked with Jesus. We talked with Jesus. We touched him. We saw him do miracles. We saw him rise from the dead. We have seen this God coming to us. The Apostle Paul talks about the absurdity of this one act of Jesus coming to be born. He talks about this to the Philippians. He says this, Though he was God, talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Paul is writing and he's telling these Philippians, you guys, Jesus didn't hold on to his God card like it was some sort of power play. Jesus wasn't sitting up in heaven going, well, man, you guys screwed it up. Sucks to be you. Like, I'm just going to sit up here with my dad and hopefully, uh, you know what, you'll never get here. They're just like, oh well, tough lot in life. That's not what Jesus did. He gave up his divine privileges. He left the glory and comfort of heaven to come to us, to take on the humble position of a slave born as a human being, the thing that we celebrate every Christmas. There's one more verse found in Hebrews that I want to read. It says, Therefore, it was necessary for him, for Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Because then, then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And again, if you are unsure about the claims of Jesus and whether Christianity is true or not, I think it's stuff like this that should make you want to lean in a little more. It should make you want to search and discover, is this really true? Because this is such good news that Jesus came to us. God came to us. So what do you do with this information? Okay, God came to us. Now what? There's a couple things. The first is for those of you that, like I said, you're not sure about Christianity, Christianity. You're wondering if all this is true or not. You're watching online. This is the first time you've ever tuned in. Here's what I want to tell you. I hope that even the possibility to you of God coming to us would help you, like, want to search more. It would help you want to take a more thorough and thoughtful look into this Christian thing. I hope that you would be compelled to want to come back and hear more of these messages and watch them online at our church. We love skeptics. You are welcome here. You, you are awesome. I hope that if that's you here today and you're, you're just not sure, I hope that you would follow the evidence, that you would just keep coming back, that you would do the research, that you would listen to these messages, that you would find out, man, is this really true or not? Is Jesus the only way to God? Does God love me? Is God really there? Is this birth? of a baby 2,000 years ago, really good news. But for all of us, whether you are a believer or not, what do we do with this to us? God came to us. Here's what I want you to think about for just a moment. If God came to us, if God sent his one and only son to this earth, to us, what does that say about you? if God would go through such great lengths to restore a relationship with human beings, with mankind, with you and I, what does that say about you? What does that say about your value? What does that say about your worth? What does that say about the meaning of your life? What does that say about your importance? Because I think to me what these two words mean to us, what this means is that God loves you and that God loves me. I think the fact that he would come to us proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves us. Because if God didn't love us, why go through it all? If God didn't love you, why go through the thousands of years of bringing about the nation of Israel to bring a Savior to come to us if not for love Why would Jesus leave heaven and enter a world where he would be hungry, where he would be tired, where he would have to walk hundreds of miles, where he would deal with people who would betray him, where he would suffer some of the most unimaginable and brutal forms of torture ever known to man? Why would he do that? Why would he come to us if not for love? You see, sometimes I think we let our circumstances alter our view of God. And we will, we will say or we will think, if God really loved me, then this wouldn't be happening in my life. Whatever this is. If God really cared about me, then he would have intervened in this situation. If God really listened to my prayers and wanted to be active in my life, then surely he would have prevented someone from dying or for me losing that house or whatever it might be. He would have stepped in in this situation. And slowly over time, what happens is I think we start to believe God is distant and God doesn't care about us and God doesn't love us. And if God is that way, then we don't want to be close to him either, right? I mean, it's easy for us to ignore him. We don't want to spend time with him. But God coming to us proves that you are more valuable than you think you are. God coming to us, Jesus being born, proves that you are more important than you think you are it proves that god would do anything and everything to have a relationship with you because that was always god's heart from the beginning god's one his the thing he desires most has not changed from creation he desires a relationship with human beings and he was willing to take the first step he was willing to take the initiative to fix what we messed up by coming to us. And look, I know Christmas might look different this year, right? The world is still a crazy place. There's still so much that is uncertain and unsure about the future. But I think we have a reason to celebrate. I think we have good news that should change our perspective no matter what our circumstances look like. God coming to us. And I hope that even just this simple thought today, God coming to us, I hope that that would change the way that we celebrate Christmas this year, no matter what it looks like. And even more, I hope that would change the way that we enjoy a relationship with God, that it would change our lives as a result. Because the truth is, God coming to us is such good news. Let me pray before we head out. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you, that you love us, I guess is what it comes down to. We don't deserve your love. There's nothing that we could do to ever pay you back or like earn our way to you. You just have such a strong desire for us that you paid the price. You did everything you could to rescue us. You starting with coming to us. Father, I pray that we would be mindful of that this week. That when we, th- when, we, when we go about our daily lives, that we would always remember and experience and spend more time with you because the fact that you came proves that you love us. Father, may that simple truth just fill us with joy this week as we spend time with you, as we experience you. Thank you, God, for coming to us.